Vox Pro, powered by TELUS International. Customer experience is the new competitive battleground, and to compete at the highest level, you've got to have an edge. I'm Patrick Hawhey, content editor at VoxPro, and we're all about beautiful customer experience. And this podcast is all about giving you that edge. Welcome to VoxPro Studios. So my guest on today's episode is the head of global customer experience for a company that has seen literally unparalleled growth in a very short period of time. So just to give you an idea of that growth, in 2013, there were 4 million guests using this platform and 300,000 homes on the platform. Last year alone, that grew to 200 million guests and 3 million homes. The platform operates in 191 countries and the growth is still continuing to this day. Can you guess who it is yet? Of course, it's Airbnb. And my guest today is Ashling Hassel, who's the head of global customer experience for Airbnb. Ashling, just to start, that's pretty much unparalleled growth. Did you think those maybe, what, four years ago when you started in this role that we you'd be sitting here today, global head of CX for a company that has just exponentially grown? Um, I think I always knew it had huge potential and um, always knew that Brian had a, a huge vision because uh, as I was interviewing, it was very clear that he had big ambitions. Um, so I think I knew that there was something big in the offing. Um, I don't think, and the founders would say this as well, I don't think any of us really envisioned like where we would be today. We always hoped uh, that the idea of belonging anywhere would resonate um, and certainly there were early signs. But the fact that we have grown as exponentially as you say, I think uh, it's it's great. Um, but I suppose it's probably exceeded our ambitions even. So, and which is a, which is a good complaint. It's a good <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And in a couple of moments, I'd like to maybe talk through how, as the, uh, somebody in your position, how you keep up with that. How do you keep up the scale and and provide that amazing customer experience for? so many more customers than you had last year and the year before and the year before. Mm -hmm. But just to touch on sort of a a recent um, announcement that shows that the growth is still continuing, would you Mm -hmm. like to tell us a little bit about Airbnb Plus and Beyond by Airbnb and a couple of other initiatives that have um, been announced in the last few days? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I mean, one thing about Brian is he never stands still, which is excellent. And as you know, like last year, uh, we announced our new experiences, which was a whole new business really around creating local experiences and taking that authenticity that we have from a homestay into, you know, doing activities when you're in a location. Um, and that's that was a big endeavor. It's still ongoing. It's it's uh, taken off uh, tremendously in, in the cities that we're in. And then, of course, as I said, Brian never stands still. So it's like, well, how can we really um, create a world of belonging even more robustly? And so, um, as he mentioned in our launch yesterday, one of the challenges we have had is that not everybody associates associates themselves with Airbnb. They say, I don't know, that's not for me. And one of the challenges we found with that is, you know, it is it has been a bit like a Harper's Bazaar when you go in to find a lo- uh, like a property or a, a home where you want to stay in. Because we literally we've grown so fast, as you mentioned. So we went from a very easy to categorize set of listings to, you know, four million listings worldwide where it just becomes more and more hard, uh, more and more difficult to find the exact place that you're looking for, whether that's a place for your family or whether that's a place as you're going on a trip for work. So the announcement yesterday was about we're going to categorize our homes much more effectively. So if you're traveling with your family, it's easier to find that. If you want to find a very unique property, such as a tree house or a yurt, it's easier to find that. And so we've 
uh, built in more categorization and more identifiers into our core homes business um, that we hope will then enable people as they're going on a special trip um, either for pleasure or for work uh, to find the exact match to their needs. So that was one big piece. Um, then on top of that, we've we've actually heard as well that uh, you know we bought luxury retreats last year, which is a very high end uh, luxury rental um, uh, luxury properties, which are fantastic properties in beautiful places. Um, and so we we also heard that we want that people wanted something in the middle. So we've launched Airbnb Plus, uh, which uh, are um, a set of homes globally that have been um, curated. So, you know, they've had they've gone through an inspection process and they also have a, rider, a wider selection of amenities, et cetera, that are very uh, clearly identified as you go in. So it's it's more clear, um, a sort of understanding of exactly what the property is going to be. And it's, you know, supported by excellent photography and um, excellent uh, descriptions of the, of the homes. And then we've also uh, announced, um, you know, the sort of integration of our, the luxury trips type properties onto our platform with Airbnb Beyond, um, which will launch uh, in the summer. So lots of great news to come. And again, um, I suppose the whole, you know, ethos behind those new ads is to basically create a world where everyone can belong and make uh, Airbnb appropriate no matter what type of travel you're doing or, um, you know, what's your price point. So you mentioned the kind of categorizing of properties there. Mm-hmm. So we've got these very distinct categories mm-hmm. to suit people who want certain different types of experiences and places mm-hmm. to stay. From your position as Global Head of Customer Experience, does that mean that there are very clean categorizations of customers as a result? And you've got a sort of a better handle on the sort of different segmentations that you need to look after in different ways. It's actually a really interesting question because one of the chances we've had, so you can imagine behind a launch like we had yesterday, there's a lot of work (laughs) goes on behind the scenes and that ripples all the way down. Obviously, product had a lot of work. But from a customer experience angle, we also are we're defining our service offerings as part of that. And what do you know, what does a property, what type of service would a, you know, a user of a property like that expect and how can we make that an amazing experience? There's a lot of thinking and design work going on behind the scenes in terms of those product propositions and categorizations. One of the th- challenging things is like, do you categorize by the home or do you categorize by the person? And what we found is that, and myself included, I would travel on many different price points depending on who I was traveling with, what the purpose of the travel was, and um, you know the reason for. I suppose that's the purpose of the travel, but also um, you know the location that I'm going to. And so you find that there are some people like for that will like push out the boat for a really expensive family reunion where they'll go top of the uh, top of the range and they will want you know uh, concierge services and uh, top top of the line amenities for that one special occasion but that same person could be the CEO of a small business and really on a tight budget and so from a work perspective and generally they're looking for accommodation that could be at a price point uh, much lower than that say like less than 100 uh, euro a night so People are situational in the travel, and I think we can all resonate with that. And so we found that we do need to focus on the the, the reason for the travel and the the sort of circumstances around the travel uh, to really, uh, rather than the individual themselves. Which is very important in a scaling company, mm-hmm. because if you get, and you know, I'd like your thoughts on this, if you get too granular about specific customers and get too into the weeds with it, is that something that prevents you from being able to scale the customer experience operations of a company like Airbnb? 
Yes, I mean, I, I will say I don't think we've cracked this one yet. You know, we've had um, over 200 million people that have leveraged the platform. Um, and so there's a huge diversity um, in terms of uh, the demographics and the expectations and um, even, you know, cultural bias uh, amongst that huge global population. And so it is very difficult to be cookie cutter. Um, and that is a challenge when you scale because you want to be... Um, relevant to you know the person at the other end of um, a conversation and um, that you know has a lot of nuances with it so where we've you know from a service uh, viewpoint where we've landed is really we we uh, we just focus on human to human and you know at the end of the day we all have some core fundamental similarities you know in terms of uh, we all basically want the same thing Um, But the way and the how around that can vary hugely. And it's very hard even to put it into a specific culture aspect or, um, uh, yeah, so I think we just say focus on the individual and focus on the individual circumstances, um, be authentic and, you know, do your best. And, uh, you know, we get that right most of the time. and, And I think being general in terms of uh, guidance um, but specific in terms of outcome is probably a good mantra because you're trying to give general guardrails but you can't be too um, uh, dictatorial in terms of exactly well you could but that's not the type of brand we are and it's not the type of experience we want to do we want to give authentic experiences both in servicing as well as in the homestays or experiences that you have on the platform and so putting in that authenticity just requires much more of a cultural bias um, and it's more about um, how you do it and the engagement with um, our community that's most important. You mentioned earlier that Brian wants to create a world of belonging where Mm -hmm. people feel like they belong which is a very very simple yet very powerful mission statement. Mm -hmm. How important is it to base everything you do on something like that mission statement? Yeah, it's incredibly important. And, you know, at the core beneath that mission statement, you know, we have a set of values uh, around our who we how we want to show up. Um, and those values really drive everything from our hiring uh, to our day to day practice. In fact, uh, they are actually part of our review process. So we are assessed on assess ourselves and our peers on, you know, the what and the how. And it's pretty much 50 50. And so the how is all about how did you line up against the core values? And one of the things actually that really helped in the last year is the founders did go back to the drawing board and take a look at our values. I were 10 years old now, which is hard to believe. Um, But they, you know, they created those values um, very early on, learning from other companies. They really want to be a purpose-led brand and to really have a culture that was as strong as that purpose-led brand. And so they created those values, but they hadn't looked at them for a while. And one of the things we found as we scaled is that the interpretation can can vary and so they spent a lot of time last year working on behaviors specific behaviors underneath each of those so that it's you know we have very esoteric titles like embrace the adventure is one value so what does that mean does it mean you're jumping off a cliff every weekend no it doesn't you know it just means um that you kind of lean in and uh, there's a set of behaviors beneath that so so uh, what we've done now is we've put those behaviors in and as we're you know right in the middle of our review cycle now we're actually looking at those values and assessing how did we show up against those behaviours. Um, so it's a way to keep that um, uh, basically all aligned with the with the purpose. Um, uh, and that's one kind of very tactical way. But I think also 
you know, it does come from the top. And when you see, our, you know, our founder actions, um, it's very clear we line ourselves up to the purpose of creating a world of belonging. Um, you saw a recent sort of comment, commentary around less well-off nations in the world and maybe not being the best place to go. And we've kind of countered that by, you know, really highlighting the benefits mm. of going to these places and the beautiful people that you meet there. So I think you have to always stand up against your purpose, both in, you know, the day-to-day, but also in the in the broader uh, commitment that it takes, you know. Do you think there there are a lot of companies out there who don't have that purpose, that sense of mission, that maybe start to make money, they start the, because they see an opportunity, um, but they don't have that kind of core foundational mission that sort of underpins everything they do? No, I think it is a challenge, especially for older generation companies as well, Well, where, you know, they're quite often over the years, their, their purpose has changed, frankly. Like you see many companies who are still around who've had to survive by reinventing themselves, which is phenomenal. But in the sight of that, like all the employees that have come come along that journey are, aren't clear, like, well, what are we trying to solve in the in the greater scheme of things? Um, and certainly when I had my, you know, when I was working um, more on a, as a customer experience consultant, um, that was a challenge a lot of companies um, were facing. And we used to, you know, we did a lot of work uh, really defining their purpose and helping mm. go back to basics, which I think is fine to do. Like if you, you know, if your purpose has changed or your business model has changed and it's it's vague now that you can't go to everyone in your company and say, like, why are we here? Like, what is um, our raison d'etre? Then you do need to go back and figure that out because it's such a unifying principle that um, it's it's unifying for both, you know, what you do internally, but also how you show up externally. Because if you don't have a unity of purpose, you know, everyone is well-intentioned and we're all trying to grow the businesses that we work in. But unless you know kind of what the lightning rod is that you're, you're you know, um, putting all your efforts against, then, you know, you could just go astray just by misinterpretation. And, you know, consumers see that. Yeah, you know? it's almost like a beacon. It's almost like that a lighthouse, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. something to, to pin yourself to all the time. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned earlier is that tr- when you hire people, you're trying to hire for that kind of fit and with mm-hmm. the values, etc. Mm-hmm. What are the key, the key challenges and how do you surmount them when, again, you're growing so quickly how do you how do you find the right people um, at such scale and how do you ensure that they they are a, a fit for um, the company no it's a great question and it's certainly you know you're asking me did I expect the company to grow I think I, as as quickly as it has or as big as it has and I think I got my first inkling of that in my first uh, world app meeting so Brian hosts uh, bi-weekly world app meetings which is basically where he broadcasts his thoughts to live uh, to the rest of the company and gives us a heads up on, you know, where he's thinking growth. <laughs> and I had uh, I had just joined and I was trying to figure out how many people, you know, we had and, and how many people we needed. And it was a it was at an age again when you join a company um, as young as Airbnb, you don't have the systems and data and processes like it's all very, very scrappy. So I had no data, no systems and no processes and was trying to figure out my headcount needs so that I could service the community. And at the time, we we definitely weren't doing it terribly well because the company had literally gone on this hockey stick growth. So I was playing catch up um, and I was at the world at and and I thought, OK, I had just come from a session where I literally had done my own capacity plan for those of you who run operations. So I done my headcount plan myself with uh, a couple of uh, data savants that I had found in the company. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, I'm totally on top of this now. I know exactly what I do. And I was on the, the stage and Brian announced uh, another big expansion in terms of the homes business and what he was going to do. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to go back to the drawing board <laughs> All those again. figures are gone. And that was my sort of um, 
I suppose my lightning uh, like moment in terms of uh, flashpoint of saying, oh my gosh, I just like this is always going to be dynamic and changing, and I need to find a way to scale. And so that's where we we set out to look for some partners who would help us because you physically could not you know take on that level of growth um, on your own. Um, and uh, you know that's where we found Voxpro, um, who's a key partner of ours, and. Um, and several others globally initially to kind of like, oh my gosh, work with us. But a key thing that we wanted was somebody, first and foremost, who was a cultural fit. So we came at it from that angle and really wanted um, partners uh, who would help us scale in the way that we wanted to scale in the sense of not so much like this is the way we do it, but really like have that affinity to, you know, the, the belong anywhere mission and our values. And so that actually was our, you know, what we based our, a lot of our assessment on. Obviously, you have to be able to do the job as well, but it's, we were more interested in finding a partner that focused on the how rather than the what. Um, And so that has really helped us. And I think one of the things with, as you scale is, you just have to continue working at it. Like, I think um, it's very easy as you scale, even internally or whether you scale with partners, that you just assume things will continue to be as effective and uh, and work as well as they have done in the past. And the reality is with scale, you do have to keep your eye on the ball. You do have to see where you're going a little bit, like where you're drifting. I think what I tend to see is like you drift a little bit and then you kind of say before that becomes like you go off the cliff, you've got to bring things back and you always have to ground it in. What are we trying to do? Who's the most important person? Which in our case is our community. Like, and are we doing the right thing for our community? And if we're not, how can we bring it back? So um, that's really, you know, it just, I honestly think you just, every, like I spend probably as much of my time worrying about the numbers and the operations as the how. Um, and are we showing up um, in the manner possible? And we're actually doing a lot of work right now around making sure that no matter who we're talking to, the brand, who is talking to whom, the brand and the brand experience uh, is consistent throughout that. And again, as you scale that just, you just have to actually do it more actively, I think, than passively. This, it must be a seriously busy job, Ashley. There's going to be people in, in, a, in a similar role in smaller companies and their heads are spinning, thinking about the actual, what you need to do on a daily basis between, you know, having that, how mm-hmm. I'm the customer first approach, but also you have the operations side and the data and, and are we keeping on track? How do you, how, what would your advice be for people to, and, and how you actually approach that? How do you approach it and, and manage to keep all those balls up in the air and the plate spinning and still do an amazing job? Well, thanks for the amazing job. I'm in my review, so I hope my boss hears that one. <laughs> um, I think, uh, look, I think it's all about building a strong team. Like when I joined, um, I had, um, the, as I said, there was no processes or systems or whatever but also no management layer like a lot like Airbnb again grew up very organically and the people um, in CX were actually majority of them were prior hosts who had been like incredibly uh, engaged with the brand and then who Brian or one of the founders or themselves had kind of decided to get more entrenched with the brand and really wanted to help the brand uh, and its mission uh, to succeed. But they had very little depth in operational experience. And that became really clear as we kind of started going through this, you know, uh, growth spurt and trying to figure out what to do. So my first task really was like, I would triage, like, what is my most urgent need? And I would hire an expert for that most urgent need. So my first most urgent need was a recruiter. <laughs> so I hired a recruiter because I figured we needed to hire great talent. 
And then my second most urgent need on a first hire was a data scientist. Um, uh, because at the root of everything is like you've got to have insights in order to do an effective job. So, so it's gone from there. And frankly, I think we have a world class team now. Um, I just had my leadership offsite. We have uh, nine super talented people who run the operation globally, uh, run all of the um, enablement functions for the operation, and so that does um, you know make sure make enable me, I suppose, to have a longer range view. So I will say in probably four years, it's probably if I was thinking. You know, you want as a as a head of a function to be strategic and, you know, also hands on. I would say it was probably 80, 90 percent hands on in terms of building everything out and 10 percent to 15 percent strategic. So I would love to pivot this more now. And I think over the last year, you know, we're kind of getting there and um, we're still, you know, we're still putting the wheels on the bus as we're going down the motorway. So there's a lot of things um, that we're building out to enable um, our world-class service, uh, you know, ambition. And so um, still plenty to do um, in terms of uh, foundational and build-out and operational rigor, frankly, um, to support, you know, that um, human-to-human, uh, really authentic um, service. But I'm trying to, to move. So I think I think the main thing is hire a great team um, and then have great enabling so that, you know, whatever you can dream up to do, you're able to do um, and I'd say we're, we're getting out of that now because we've got much more enablement much stronger team um, but those two things I think um, have to go hand in hand That's the second time you've mentioned the words human to human mm-hmm. which says a lot about your approach to customer experience and just how simply it is just humans speaking with humans um, What so your, your customers are humans but so are your customer care agents and and obviously the people you work with and your partners like BoxPro. What do you think are the qualities of a really good customer experience agent? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think it can vary obviously in business. I'll tell you what what we really look for um, is uh, like a huge amount of empathy. There's, it's, we live, we work in an interesting business, right? Uh, We have, Strangers staying in strangers' homes, right? And we try and reduce that level of unknown because through our review system, through, you know, the profiles, and we encourage, you know, hosts and guests to communicate with each other prior to the visit. So it's not a complete, you know, uh, you know, there's a there's a level of understanding and commonality there before, you know, before a trip. And um, that said, you know, there's a lot of d- things can happen in that range of a customer journey as you go from step A all the way through. Um, when we actually have our journeys mapped out, we call them Snow White journeys. So we have our he- guest journey and our host journey. And, you know, in any one of those stages of the journey, a lot can go wrong. Honestly, it's, you know, it's travel, it's people, it's non-professionals, you know. Um, and so uh, the... And the challenge with that is the range of things that can happen, yeah. you know, and how do you train a customer experience person working for Airbnb to handle all of those? And that's where we look at people um, definitely with empathy. You know, it's it's a core part of our service delivery is like when you're traveling, it's a stressful time for a lot of people as well. Um, and so how do you build that empathy? You know, so we look for people with empathy. Um, and I think judgment is probably the next biggest thing, if you like. So. As I said, we wouldn't want to get too dictatorial in that because a you end up not being that human, not being that authentic. Um, but there's a wide wide range of things, and so you do. Uh, our service model requires a lot of judgment and times, and you're trying in, in many cases to negotiate or mediate between a host and a guest. You know, uh, for a variety of reasons, frankly. 
And so you have to have uh, um, uh, specialists that can really internalize what's going on and then really advocate for the best outcome, you know. And so it's it's a not the your typical. It's not you know did my shoes arrive yesterday sure, and yeah. I or you know my video didn't download. <laughs> a lot of other roles will have a very clearly set defined yeah. top problems, whereas yeah. with Airbnb, like yeah. you're right, is probably no two are the same. Yeah, but what we're trying to do because it is uh, it is challenging, you know. And uh, the great news is we have a great community both on the host and guest side. Like the, it's phenomenal the stories you see and what we're actually doing. So there's a great, um, I think it's a it's a it's a great community to support, um, but when what we're trying to do to help our specialists at the at the front line is is really enable them with information, you know, because uh, you know with our tooling historically hasn't been where we need to be, and so there's a lot of digging out of data and finding out information and trying to connect the dots, frankly, while while you're actively speaking um, or messaging with a cur- uh, with another with a member of the community and so we're trying to make that much simpler and um, and less stressful so that's our big focus for it's we started it last year with a complete revamp of our tooling and we're working on it now and the idea is like so that the uh, you know our specialists can spend more time in active conversation just like we're having now versus like wondering oh gosh I know I saw that workflow somewhere and where could I find out what exactly uh, um, where that referral program where's the latest T's and C's on it so I can explain it so we're working actually on that to make it easier but I think and so that the best of the best in terms of that empathy that I said um, and that judgment can then be used versus the stress of trying to also you know uh, put all things together. So. Yeah, and that's and it's be touching on something interesting there because this is a very very human business, and people will generally want to deal with humans probably for the rest of their lives. Yet we are living in an age of incredible digital transformation, mm-hmm. particularly in the customer experience space, mm-hmm. where you have AI, chatbots, omni-channel, self-serve, all of these different things that automation, um, all of these things that digital digital is bringing to the table. So what are your thoughts on the balance on getting the balance right between human and machine when it comes to the delivery of customer experience? Mm-hmm. No, it's a really active topic, actually, with my uh, and going with my strategy hat on, which I'm trying to, uh, as you say, grow a bit. Um, so on the I think AI has huge potential for us um, and machine learning. And we've dabbled in this uh, actually last year. And our customers would never know it, but we were using machine learning to basically figure out uh, where exactly a customer was on their journey and what they might be um, talking about so we could get it to the right person. So we used it actually behind the scenes in terms of how to route more effectively without you having to go through an annoying IVR that says press one for this or two for that, which we have never done um, and don't want to go down that path. But we're trying in the background to use the smarts of AI and machine learning to do that seamlessly to a customer. So that's great because behind the scenes, it means that you get directed to a person who will know the answer to your question versus them having to say, oh, I'll have to follow up with somebody else. So I think there's huge potential. The other area that I'm really excited about is, you know, and you know yourself from other service experiences, you spend a lot of time explaining like who we are, why we're calling, you know, what, you know, uh, you know what my authentication is. We take customer privacy very uh, seriously, so we we need to authenticate who you are. So we're also using. I think there's huge potential for AI, um, and I hate word using the word chatbot because it's got such a bad connotation. But behind the scenes, some fairly clever automation that will be interactive with the user, but can help get through all of that. So by the time you're talking to the human who you need to talk to or messaging with the human, you don't have to go through all that kind of preamble. Like it's done, and I think that will make um, it will make us more efficient as a team to be able to 
um, service more of our community in a better way. But it will also be better for a user because, you know, those those conversations don't add anything, frankly. And to be honest, they're mostly quite, they're so mundane, they're sort of annoying. So the more that we can use AI and machine learning to do that part of it so that we can have interesting and more, I suppose, complex conversations um, more quickly uh, with our community is kind of the direction that we're we're looking to go. So I'm really excited. It's a big, uh, big focus for us now. And uh, we just spent we just had our leadership meeting. We spent a large portion of the time talking about the opportunities there. So I think we sh- I think everyone should have the mindset that it's um, it is, as you say, the digital transformation is here. And so we need to, to ride that wave. But I'm really optimistic that it can be uh, we can leverage it for a much better experience and not a robotic experience. Yeah. Um, and it's all about kind of enablement of the human versus replacement of the human. That's a lovely way to put it. Um, one of my final questions, Ashton, and I ask this to every guest in Foxborough Studios um, on the podcast. We've spoken about Airbnb and how fantastic you guys are at delivering a wonderful customer experience. Are there any other co- companies out there that you feel deliver a world-class customer experience as well? Yeah, not enough, unfortunately. And this is always a, the bane of like, uh, I want to be on stage sometime not talking about the same companies that everyone talks about for them. But I will I will reference too that are talked about mainly because I look to them always as um, the how. Because I think there's a lot of companies say oh they're super at customer uh, service or experience but it's basically they're very they've got a lot of process in place and they're efficient i'm more interested in brands that in a very challenging markets have maintained a differentiator and maintained it on based on a cultural difference uh, than a process difference so i will talk about southwest uh, airlines uh, which you know i lived in the states for 15 years i used a lot of airlines there i think the interesting thing about southwest is that they've operationalized culture and so, you know, in a very tough environment and any airline you go to, you'll, you'll see the challenges. It's a it's a it's a hugely complex environment and you're dealing with a lot of people with various, you know, in a, in a closed and case space. And and it sometimes doesn't bring out the best of people. Mm-hmm. And having traveled a lot uh, on Southwest and other airlines in the States, it's just amazing how they and they've actually like they've done it explicitly. Like if you actually look at their operating manual and I spent a lot of time looking at this when I was consulting and. Um, any ECX professional actually would be would look at them in terms of how do you do it. So the secret sauce is they focus on culture, but there's an operational handbook behind that where they have stand ups daily to say what worked yesterday that didn't work, what didn't work, and how do we fix that. So they have a huge focus on defect reduction, if you like, in their business. And but they also hired the culture fit. So you couldn't, you know, going back to you know what I said earlier, you, you don't want to script too much of this, and you see the personalities that they hire you know, they'll break into song or they'll say a poem or whatever. And it's all set like they're not told, by the way, don't forget your happy bit in the flight today. You know, it it comes naturally. So they've managed to blend culture with a big behind the scenes kind of um, uh, flywheel of continuous improvement and uh, which I think is really quite exceptional. So I look at them and then, um, you know, if I look at uh, a a hospitality brand really admire it's Four Seasons, you know, and again, you know, it's very, it's like a swan on the on the lake. You know, when you walk in and they greet you by the name and you think, well, how did that happen? Or they they, they know, uh, you know, what your favorite fruit is or, you know, random things like that. And uh, not that I've stayed in a lot of Four Seasons, but I've read the book. Um, but, you know, I think the interesting thing about that is that it's a hospitality brand in a very crowded marketplace as well. But they've differentiated themselves on this really personalized uh, touch 
But behind the scenes, again, like all of that is through a, an operational handbook that has educates and informs how they're, um, you know, how their staff like really deliver against yeah. that. And so I think those are two brands where the how they've managed to bend this cultural aspect and really focus on the on the on, you know, how they show up as a brand with behind the scenes, a very uh, subliminal, if you like, operating manual that enables that. And uh, so I, I would look to both of those as kind of lovely examples. Examples. Before we wrap, you've had a number of different CX roles um, in your career and this might be a slightly left field question, but I hope you might be able to, to take it on the run. Um, can you think back over the, the, the course of your career and look to the most, the, the, the maybe the role that challenged you most, um, didn't feel comfortable at the time, but looking back now, you felt you learned something very significant from it that you now bring to the success in your role today. Um. Yeah, well, I think if you look at my uh, career background, I mean, there's two types of customer experience roles, really. One is the operational side, which is what I'm uh, working, what I do at Airbnb. Um, and then there's this sort of a transformational customer experience professional who works across lines of business to drive a customer focused culture and, and uh, ethos. And probably my most challenging role um, in, in uh, when I was working at Symantec, I had had many line jobs, you know, so I'd been in, you know, product development, I'd been in marketing, localization, etc. And it, it evolved me into being a, a, quite a generalist. So when the CEO wanted to really get everyone back to basics, you know, and the company had grown from two and a half thousand people to over 16,000 people and wanted to get everybody back to basics around focusing on the customer and delivering a great customer experience in the fullest sense, right across product and service and policy and process. And uh, he asked me to head up an initiative around customer experience transformation. And so that was probably the most challenging role in the sense that I was an influencer versus a executioner, if you like. Um, well, that, that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it might be executionist. We know what you meant. We know what you meant. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, I was an influencer. And so what that meant was I had to uh, work with, you know, the vice presidents of all the lines of businesses and uh, really help them to deliver a great customer experience. So one, by designing uh, what a great customer experience should look like, but also then by helping uh, them uh, with their teams to deliver it. And that was, you know, it was, it was challenging in the sense of it was sort of from a blank slate, but we started with customer feedback. So we built in an MPS framework so that all of our regions and our lines of business could see what customers were saying on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. It was sponsored by the CEO. So, you know, he was very clear that this was something that was not a bolt on. It was core to their business. And so they were held accountable to driving better MPS. And then on top of that, when we, you know, we fixed a lot of low hanging fruit, but ultimately it led to um, a a customer uh, transformation program. And uh, and that was a really significant multi, multi million dollar initiative to really evolve and and fix the broken pieces of the system and processes behind it. So going back to like you have to have the operational playbook and, you know, um, ability in order to deliver, you know, the the. Uh, top line experience so that one was the most challenging but it taught me a lot about influencing uh, which I think is a key part of a a customer experience job and it also told me that even in a company as large as that you if you get the right momentum and the right 
um, leadership alignment, you can move mountains um, and you can change the way and the trajectory of a company um, and the way a company operates. So I thought it, you know, Jean has a, Jean Bliss has a statement to be in this role, you have to have the guts of a salmon. Uh, And I love that because sometimes it does feel like you're swimming upstream. Um, But I think to be a really, I think what, what helps as a CX professional is one, to literally have the guts of a salmon. So you can't, you can't be too shy at trying to push, you know, a, a CX agenda. Um, so there's a little bit of tenacity there. But also, if you have that grounding in multiple facets of a business, it really does help um, you to kind of help, you know, drive it amongst uh, along multiple angles. So to wrap, I just want to reference a quote, and I'm going to probably paraphrase more than a quote that I know that the, the Airbnb founders took uh, took to heart. And this is a quote from Paul Graham, uh, founder of Y Combinator. And I think it's so resonant. And it's to paraphrase again, it's that make sure you try and have 100 people who absolutely love you rather than 100,000 people who kind of like you. And I think that says it all to really as a customer experience professional, even though you're scaling so rapidly, you got to have that human approach. Look after every single person as you as best you can. And Mm -hmm. the scale will almost look after itself from there because you've got that attitude. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And, and, and another kind of uh, sort of direction from Brian based on that is like do things that don't scale. Um, so you end up having to scale. And I, I think there's definitely a few areas in CX where we explicitly know they don't scale. And anyone, you know, looking at it would go, well, why do you bother doing that? But it is uh, it is unique and different. And I think it's important to try to do things that are unique and different and that um, perhaps are a bit of a head scratcher initially because you learn from them um, and certainly they need to add value. But often by doing them, you learn, you know, how to do things even better in the core business. So I think we take that mantra and, and also just focus on, you know, every encounter matters, you know. And so um, it is about being in the moment. And while, you know, today and we see this all the time because sometimes, you know, um, Somebody can be in contact with us for a very simple booking or whatever, but that same person could be booking an event with like multiple people and multiple listings and other um, in another kind of with another hat on their head. So I think you it is important to do um, the little things right and they do add up into the bigger picture. Ashling Hassel, Head of Global Customer Experience for Airbnb. This has been fascinating talking. Thanks so much for sharing your insights. You're very welcome. Vox Pro, powered by TELUS International. And for more insights from the masters of customer experience, you can subscribe to the Vox Pro Studios podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out voxbrokegroup.com for all of our latest articles, ebooks, and CX thought leadership. For now, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Vox Pro Studios, where insights live.